Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, let's start off with our first guest. We have the incredible Ivy Riggs. Welcome back, Ivy. Thanks for having me. You now have a permanent seat. Yes. Yeah, Ellen used to have it, but now you have it. And headphones. And headphones. And headphones. You can't see us, but this is a big day yeah. at OEA. <laughs> and headphones. Um, we kind of wanted just to start the conversation off. When we talk about bills that are going through, a lot of times people will ask us, I heard that was copy and paste legislation, or I heard this came from a certain organization. Kind of how does that work? So I think by design, um, there are uh, entities that will uh, get states together, offer for states to come together and kind of uh, work on ideas. And so uh, in theory, it's collaboration. It's sharing ideas. No one has to reinvent the wheel. Those are all good, good things, we think. It worked in our state. How about yours? It, exactly. Yeah. Um, but then some folks with a whole lot of money got together and said, oh, we can also do this. And we can pay for these pretty fancy trips and bring people to these conferences and teach them about all of these ideas that we would like to uh, get legislation passed in every state. And they really target uh, red states. They target conservative states because they're kind of these national buzzword things like indoctrination or CRT or uh, school choice. You know, so vouchers... Uh, truly are copy and paste. The the traditional voucher language, education savings account, mm -hmm. you know, just that term, switching from the word vouchers to education savings accounts, uh, the Equal Opportunity Scholarship Funds. It's not a coincidence that those are being run in many, many states. So there's a there's an organization called ALEC, the, uh, I should know what that stands I for. I know. You know what we do? We have an acronym. We don't mm -hmm. know what it means. We just make it up. Yeah, I'm not going to make it up. Yeah, I, is it I'm American Legislative gonna... Exchange Council. Council? Okay, so so on the local level, uh, OCPA is kind of our Oklahoma version of ALEC, the Oklahoma okay. uh, Public Oklahoma, Oklahoma Council, Council of Public, Public Affairs. Affairs. Good yeah. grief, words are hard. <laughs> so so ALEC brings our uh, legislators, any legislator that will go um, to these. Uh, conferences each year and they'll have uh, breakout sessions just like we go to conferences and we have breakout sessions they'll have breakout sessions on school choice and talk to you about why it's imperative to save the children and why you need to run this and, and here's all you have to do is fill in your state and and fill in your you know how your funding happens how uh, per pupil uh, funding happens whatever it is so um, we, we have seen that copy and paste language year after year, but this year for sure the education savings account language uh, from Senator Treat uh, is very, very, very similar to what's what's being run in, in many other states. Uh, last year's um, Equal Opportunity Scholarship expansion came, came from that same source, and it, um, you know, it's frustrating. We can usually see what's coming, based on what other states are saying, right? So um, the backpack fund, they kept calling mm -hmm. this one, the slang term was the backpack fund, where basically the kid's money goes in their own backpack and they take it home and their parents get to use it however they'd like. Nothing wrong with that. What could possibly go so, wrong? So it really does. Just just 
five grand in a backpack. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like certain deals are being made. I, I kind of think they are. Well, I, that's super helpful. And I think um, a lot of times for us on the back end, it's when we start hearing those language, that language, then we can kind of start searching. Um, and one of the powers of being a part of an organization that's connected to other states is that we have the opportunity to reach out and say, hey, I heard that you all passed, you know, these education savings account. What was kind of the language around it? What was the goal? What we what, how can we talk about this bill with our members too? Yeah. When I talk with other state presidents, I'm like, hey, you're not going to believe what this one was this year. And they go, yeah, we had that one last year. Yeah. And so these are these are not new ideas. Right. They just get recycled. And, and, and I want to reiterate, ideas from other states are not bad, theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, if, if good innovative things are happening that, that we think that other states really do believe are helping kids and helping schools, um, we, we do want to copy some of those. Uh, Ellen uh, reached out to our friends in New Hampshire last week on a bill that is moving through the process called Learn Everywhere because it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around. What does that look like? What, what in, 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 in practice, what, what has it done? What would you do different? What have you learned? So it's been nice. It, it is nice mm -hmm. to be able to reach out to other states and kind of see how it's gone. Uh, if they could turn back time, what would they have done? Mm -hmm. You know, would they have put some, uh, some boundaries in place? Would they have uh, worked with the state department in a different way? Things like that. Would you say a lot of these bills have this very simplistic concept, but are very nuanced, but they have very simple titles that Sure. That are sexy and fancy, like we like to talk about a lot. Sure. It, 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 I think it's uh, great. Ideas are great, but the devil is always in the details. Mm -hmm. in, in real practice, what does it look like? Learn everywhere. If you're learning, you should be able to count it for school credit. Well, maybe and maybe not. You know, yeah. so, so those, are, uh, th those are always ones that, that we like to at least check on. What, what were the unintended consequences in other states? Things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. So this week was a little bit quieter at the Capitol. <laughs> it um, has flown by. Just like, I, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like yesterday was several days into the week. Yeah. It's, yes. So one of the questions we had is now it's bill assignments, right? So where are some of the bills that we have talked about recently? Community schools, um, employee assistance program. Right. So this week uh, began the process of, of Senate bills going to the House, House bills going to the Senate. Uh, Senate education actually did meet this week, but that's the only one of our four committees that we really follow that met. Um, House uh, waited until this week to start assigning bills, so they'll start to meet next week, which makes, which makes um, it a little tighter uh, deadline. Uh, bills have to be out of committees of the opposite chamber by April the 14th. And then in the two weeks after that, April 28th, uh, they have to be off the floor of that opposite chamber. So community schools uh, got assigned to the Senate Education Committee, and it got duly assigned, which means it also got assigned to appropriations. So that means it will have to get heard sooner rather than later mm -hmm. because it'll have to get through two committees, and, and the deadline remains the same. So um, it uh, we are uh, working with Senator Pugh to make sure that gets a hearing. And then our employee assistance program that Mark Van Curen ran in the House is with uh, Senator Haste in the Senate, also duly assigned to both Senate Education and to the Full Appropriations Committee. So um, anytime you have dual assignments, 
you've got another step to get through. And so you always are worried about running out of time. So that's what we're working on right now. So those weren't heard this week. So hopefully next week. Correct. Correct. And and uh, in Senator Pugh's office, he does have all of those flagged that are duly assigned. So knowing that they really need, you know, if they're going to get through, they need to get through quickly. In the House, there's also a House Appropriations Education Committee. Correct. So how is that different than the the larger Appropriations Committee? So every subject area, like education or public safety or whatever it happens to have, has an Appropriations Committee that is kind of linked to it. But each chamber kind of does that differently when they assign bills. In the House, a lot of times it'll either go to common education or it will go to the appropriations for education. And then if it's duly assigned, it will go to a full appropriations. So so they pick and choose where they put that. In the Senate, a lot of times the ones with money will go to almost all will go to Senate education and then straight to full appropriations. There is a, a subcommittee on on education, appropriations on education, but so far we haven't seen that committee meet this year. So I don't know if they're just doing things differently. Um, it, it's really their choice and it's not necessarily a sneaky way to do it. It's just a different way to do it. And so primarily um, those will have less bills in them anyway uh, than than the than the big common education committees, uh, either side. So just next week, what are you expecting it to look like? I, I think it'll pick back up. Okay. Uh, in the House, all the committees will meet for sure. Um, and then, you know, you can't really have floor work until you have bills that have made it out of committee. So that's why the floor work is so slow. So they're, you know, they're gaveling in, they're doing some proclamations, they're having some visits to the Capitol. So they'll recognize aeronautics day at the Capitol was yesterday. It was very full. They, you know, all the pilots had their jumpsuits on and lots of students in aeronautics uh, programs were there. Uh, so so the, some of those types of things are happening, but uh, floor work has been very slow. So that will all start to ramp back up. So, you know, for another deadline week coming up in what five mm-hmm. six weeks, so so it just slowly gets uh, a a little busier each week. Well, thank you so much for joining us again this week. We appreciate it. Sure, thanks for having me. We are excited today to be joined by Representative Provenzano from Tulsa. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, why you ran, how long you've been a legislator. Sure, sure. So this is um, the end of my second term. So I'll have been at this for four years now. But before that, uh, I started as a ninth grade biology teacher and did that for a while and uh, then got my administrators, the master's degree and uh, started as a, an assistant principal, principal for several years and loved what I did did and in particular you know just those underserved populations loved that but when i was the principal every single year for over a decade i cut someone or something wow. and and every single year and it was a struggle and so when uh 2018 rolled around i was just you know we had just uh let an sro go and an assistant principal the year before that and it was a struggle and so i decided well you know i'm gonna do what I can and decided to run for office and you know I had to go to my husband and say okay so this is this is a bit of a pay cut uh, but I think we can do it and we ran the numbers and he was all gung-ho and so we just did it and started knocking so many doors so much sweat equity because I'm in a, like a purple district and so you really have to earn the votes mm-hmm. there and 
boy, did we, (laughs) (laughs) and, and came out on top. And, uh, then, then again, uh, two years back and here I am. So let's give a shout out to where you were at. Where'd you teach at? So I started at Will Rogers High School. Ooh. And it was in Tulsa Tulsa. Public Schools. Yeah. And when I I got called and offered the job, I had several different places, but that really kind of, that place had my heart. And and I, they called and offered the job and I was like, oh yeah, this is, I was hoping you were going to be the one to call. And they're like, really? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and I started in the freshman academy there. Okay. And, and how long did you do that for? Oh gosh, three or four years. Okay. And then um, I taught in Broken Arrow for a year, and then okay. came back there. And just the family there just drew me back, and I stayed there uh, several more years until I became an administrator. So, where were you an assistant principal? You were at Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Yeah. Shout out to Booker T. There. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go Hornets. Um, and then I became a principal at uh, Hale Junior High. And the fascinating thing about going from one of the top schools in the state the top school in the state, mm-hmm. I might argue, to to a middle school. In looking at the teachers, I was struck by you have high-quality teachers in both places the mm-hmm. same. Uh, you know, they're just handed uh, a different set of circumstances, but just as effective and just as um, interested in seeing kids do well at Hale Junior High. And often schools that are tougher get uh, a harder uh, reputation, you know, and it definitely, that was right after Project Schoolhouse. And so uh, the building had shut down and then reopened and new populations of kids came in that had never had any reason to to interact before in that building. Uh So it was a a turbulent year. And then I came on the following year and, and I just had to be strong but then gosh those kids would stand in traffic for you once they figure wow. out that you're really yeah. there for them and so they had my heart so what <laughs> was your the, jam was it a high school or junior oh, you honestly I, I hate to say but middle schoolers they just can't get out of their own way and i love them for it <laughs> you either love it yeah or you don't and i loved it and I, but I finished out my career at bixby at the high school there but um hail junior high and i loved everybody i got the opportunity to work with but those kids, man, they just, once they believe in you, because they're just right on the cusp of, I don't need a homeroom mom, but would you still bring me cookies yeah. and want to kind of glue their head to the wall? And they don't know why. And you'd be like, why do you do that? I don't know. And they don't. <laughs> and they don't. So no to parents. They really don't And that's what we doing. would say at the beginning of every year. I'd be like, okay, parents, here's what's about to happen in your world. You're going to lose it for a minute, but they'll come back right about mid-eighth grade. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, uh, and, and that was always fun. And then when my own kids became middle schoolers, it was just, they, they couldn't get anything <laughs> past me, which they hated. <laughs> so anyway. Um, so tell us like when you came on, you yeah. know, as a member and now you're in the house and right. the floor, what, what were some immediate things that struck you that you were not expecting? Oh gosh, just, um, I think with any new job, it's, uh, the informal rules that you you don't understand and and the one thing i think i perhaps learned very quickly is you definitely if you have questions about a bill you do your your level best to go talk to the author beforehand uh, because if you're asking it on the floor they can get a little miffed but you know sometimes you have to miff (laughs) and that's okay but uh, just kind of seeing how the sausage is made behind the scenes and building those relationships um, especially within the common education committee on you know both sides of the aisle can be done 
And, and it's just you have to take a practical approach and kind of know your your limits, what's you know, what this person's running, that person's running, and and be willing to talk. But also they also know that we're gonna ask very tough questions. Mm-hmm. And you have a bunch of education professionals on that committee. And so the level is high when it comes to that committee. Subsequently, sometimes they run tougher bills around our committee. <laughs> so, so how many, how many, dim, you're Democrat, yeah. full transparency. Right. And um, how many Democrats are in the House? In the House, we have 18. And a whole bunch of Republicans. Yes. So to get a bill passed yes. as a Democrat. Yes. What hurdles do you have to? It has to be, often it can't cost any money, if I'm being honest. Um, But I think the biggest thing is the building relationships piece. piece, And you have to, you have to be very accountable for knowing every single word that is in your bill and being able to explain it and answer to questions. I feel like, and, and I'm not saying that you know, Republicans don't do that as well, but it's, it is the expectation that, you know, you're built back and forward and everybody's on board. And so you spend a lot of time consensus building before it ever hits the committee. And then before it ever hits the floor, because there are, those are two very different processes. Uh, uh, But the committee, you know, I think we've all been together a little bit longer now. And so Hopefully there's some, you know, faith that I'm not going to run something that's just going to like land on the front page of the newspaper. I'm going to do things that helps teachers, that mm-hmm. help teachers, pardon me, or help principals or help kids in a practical way. And I'll bring the consensus before I ever come to the table, hopefully. And so right now you have a bill. Yeah. Um, uh, talking about um it focuses on professional learning yes. for educators. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, bill? so that was a constituent request from a teacher in my district. And she's just, you know, because I will go meet with them and say, okay, what would be a practical problem we could solve? You know, these are the things that I can, you know, tackle. And she said, you know what, the professional learning focus, we love it, it's great, but man, it's a killer, you know, right now. And so what this bill does is, you know, because it's on top of all the required professional development that you have to do. You have to add this professional learning focus, which is sort of, you know, for the uninitiated, I would say an independent study that a teacher does mm-hmm. uh, on their own. Very similar, you know, like the newest version of, you know, you attend a conference or you read a book, do a book yeah. study or, uh, you know, take a class and you get credits for that. It's just a continuous improvement thing. Not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But each year since I've been in the legislature and for several years before that, we've added some sort of professional development requirement at the federal level, Mm -hmm. the state level, and for sure at the local level. And so it can be quite crushing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is on top of all that. And it's a part of the TLE. And so she was like, if we could just get it to not just get rid of it, but say uh, it, it says if the number of professional development hours that you have or will do in this year exceeds 24 hours, you're taking time away from the classroom. But uh, you can opt to not do that. You can be exempt, and then you'll be exempt in that piece of the TLE for that one year alone. And in particular, it helps your newer teachers. In uh, a couple of districts I surveyed, they're like, yeah, we're at 50 hours of professional development. And so I think, you know, and, and there wasn't much pushback at all because mm-hmm. everybody kind of gets it. If you've been in education, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and you know, I've even had principals going, yes, 
let's do this. And superintendents from rural areas going, yes, this is what we need. We need something lifted off of our plates. And so hopefully it can get through. And I think next year we'll take a real deep dive on the professional learning picture as a whole and uh, start to restructure the machine (laughs) if we can. You know, um, through my career and getting to watch like like Mm -hmm. you, um, how our our teacher evaluation process has mm-hmm. evolved over, let's just put it that way, evolved right. over the years from like the 14 indicators we were first, right. you know, yes. I, I, it was on NCR paper. Yeah. For those that don't know what NCR paper, it's like the triple copies and they were handwritten and then yes. they, they were computerized. Yes. But then when we moved to our, what we call our TLE, mm-hmm. it, it took on a bigger picture and it wasn't yeah. that improvement, but I... You hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. We we have put so much on everyone's plate, from mm-hmm. administrators to teachers in the classroom. It, it's overwhelming. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Well, and you can't really, if, as a legislator, the things that they're saying we need more professional development on is true. Last year we passed a bill for suicide training, yeah. suicide awareness training. Nobody's going to vote against that, but it definitely adds more to the yeah. plate. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't taken a look at the overall picture in so long yeah. that it's a little bit crushing. Yeah. And, you know, with the TLE, that added significant work for yeah. principals and yes. superintendents. because and, and it's good, solid work, but we never really took anything off the plate. Right. And so it's a, and so this is this is a piece that we can start with, and then we'll take a look deeper next year. Yeah, I always have a theory: if you put something on a, an educator's plate, what are you going to take off? What are you taking and off? They should be round objects. So when you put something on, something yeah. rolls off, but yeah. they're not; they're square, <laughs> and you just start stacking. Yeah. So. One of the things that uh, we do hear teachers say a lot is, "Oh my goodness, bloodborne pathogens!" Oh, yeah. You know, and I'm like, "I hear you. I think I have that list memorized yeah. just from the years that I was a teacher." And uh, Representative Ransom actually was in Washington D.C. and went to the U.S. Department of Education and said, "Okay, we've got to talk." So they're looking at that as Good. well. Just that the federal yeah. requirements and, you know, do new teachers need this? And once you're a professional career or career teacher, do you really need it every year? Yeah. You know, that, that or can we do thing. a pretest? You know, yeah. If I can pass the pretest, yes. Do I have to watch the bully yes. video? Yeah. Don't and, put your hand in yeah. the soapy water yeah. full of knives. <laughs> I, I do know, even if it's glass, you still can't throw it away in a metal trash can. I used right. to get that question wrong. Right. I know it now. <laughs> But I mean, I always consider those like more compliance, right? Professional learning. It's just right. you're checking a box to say I did it, right? I've done it, yeah. And and We're that's covered. that's where it's starting to build mm-hmm. the layers in yeah. more and more. And so, well, and you have local districts wanting, seeing what their local needs are, and and wanting you know say grade expectations or yeah. this book study or that, and those yeah. are valuable yeah. as well. But you know, it all adds up. It just does. Time is a commodity. Yes. So one final question. One of the things this year that this is my third year at OEA, and this has been the most engaged we've seen our members for me because of, you know, COVID had Mm -hmm. happened the last two years. And I keep saying this is the year we came back. You know, our Mm -hmm. teachers came back. We're back in the building Mm -hmm. at the Capitol advocating. Um, What advice would you have to teachers this year as they're, you know, talking to legislators, advice you would give them? Well, first of all, we missed you and we're glad you're back. (laughs) It's like yesterday the principals were there and I'm like, breath of fresh air. Um, But I I honestly think uh, the OEA does it very well, but just that personal connection with your legislator and being very specific about what you hope that they will do, that carries so much weight, more than you realize. And, you know, anytime uh, 
my, my uh, folks can find me. I'm up on the sixth floor, and it's sort of difficult. You know, oh, you're back <laughs> in a hidey hole. Yes, you. yes, you yes, did. Yes. And uh, it's or the penthouse. I, I mean, it's all how we look at things, I right? When they said you were on the sixth floor, I'm like, wait is a the minute. There floor? is only five floors in this building, <laughs> and they are sending me on a goose chase here. Yes. I found it. Yes, yes. Yeah. We have new signage coming. Yeah. It's been a few months, but we have it coming. Uh, but I think that direct contact with your legislator is more powerful than anything, than anything. And and they every single legislator on that floor knows exactly where we stand on vouchers or we stand on class sizes and where we stand, you know, very specific targeted messages. And that has been so powerful. So, Well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And we will, we'll visit representative Provenzano in her penthouse. I like that. Yes. There's no windows, unfortunately. Oh. So I have a TV and I'm like, I'm going to put on a nature scene. <laughs> so anyways, well, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. Uh, wow. Ellen, it's been a week. It's okay. been a, it feels like a calm week, um, but it's a busy week. Yes. This is always a busy week. Uh, um, educators are around the state and they're, you know, they've come off spring break, uh, back at it for that last quarter of the year. And uh, it is it is busy and, and wrapping up for the year. Um, one of the, um, I noticed the other day in the edge, um, the State Department is having, uh, they've had this series of workshops, uh, well-being workshops, and it's called In It Together, and their last series is April 5th through 7th. Um, we have put that link in the edge, so you should have received it there, and then it's also on the State Department website, but what a great way to just tap into ways that we can continue to focus on um, educators' well-being, teachers, support professionals, administrators, making sure we're taking care of ourselves. We have to take care of ourselves first. And I know the end of the year is crazy, yes. right? So like yeah. perfect timing before yeah. state testing, before yeah. the end of the year, take some time and figure out your plan. Yes, absolutely. And then uh, April 5th next week, there are school board elections. So, you know, it, we kind of have a wonky calendar with our school board elections. You know, if they there's more than two candidates, I have this right, more than two mm-hmm. candidates, then they had an election in February and then kind of like then the April election. And so this is down to two candidates. Um, I know many of our large um, districts have school board elections across our state and early voting's already, I saw somebody post the other day that it's already starting. So make sure that uh, check into your school districts, see if you have a school board election. I know we'll be putting it on our website. We try to push that out and uh, vote. vote, make your voice count. And it's hurt. always a good reminder that School board elections are nonpartisan. So this is really your opportunity to find out which candidate reflects the values of your public schools and wants to do the work in your district. And if you don't know who the candidates are, ask. Ask the other parents in your district. Ask ask educators in your district. They will let you know. And then last, um, April 7th, this next week, is um, scheduled two of our last dinners that are scheduled, doesn't mean it's our last, um, civication dinners with legislators. And one will be in Lawton and one will be in Tulsa. And, um, you know, we had one this last Tuesday and just once again, fabulous turnout. There has not been one dinner that we have had that hasn't been at least 30 to 45 people. 
and just setting down with legislators, getting to talk with them and hear from them. And uh, a great way to do what we call civication. It's not a word. We just made it up. <laughs> uh, but if you want to find out more, go to our website, okea.org slash civication. And uh, we love for you to register so we know that you're coming. We make sure we have ample space and time. So um, what big plans do you have for this weekend, Ellen? Oh, um, well, I'm, I'm running in a race. Like so, a, like an actual like yes. like your little feet are pitter pattering on yes. a road race. Yes, so race. I will be going slowly, but I'm running. How far? So ten miles. <laughs> well, I will cheer you on um, on the sidelines. Um, I know Vice President Carrie Ellidge and I will be at the OU softball game to give oh, out the fine. educator. Um, um, is it educator of the week, educator of the month, or just OEA educator of the game? Educator of the game. That's what it is. And uh, once again, this cowboy fan is going to an OU event <laughs> uh, and wearing red. Oh. But it is about our 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 teachers, our um, educators that are doing the hard work each and every day. And we're so thankful to them. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. And I've loved watching those updates of all the different sporting events that you have all been going to. So um, thank you so much to Ivy Riggs and Representative Provenzano for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.